On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, hey, they've always got the good oil. Pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Welcome to Monday's Experts. What a big week it is. We're not too far away from heading up to Hong Kong this week. Myself and Laurie Daly for the Big Sports Breakfast. We'll be there for the, the big Wednesday night international meeting, of course, for the jockeys, and then the big international gallops meeting there at Sha Tin on Sunday. And in Monday's Experts, we always chat to people who are in the racing industry, and we find out about the story behind the name. If you're listening live across New South Wales, the ACT, Welcome aboard. If you're listening via podcast, great to have you here. Our guest today is a name that we love seeing in the form. Got an old punters love backing him, whether it be in Hong Kong or back in Australia. His name is Zach Purton. He's had a great career and it continues. And I'm keen to have a laugh with him for the next little bit. And I think he's at the physio this morning there in Hong Kong, ready for a big weekend. G'day, Zach. Good morning. How is the physio, mate? On a Monday morning, is that yeah. the routine? Physio and then into a, a relaxing day? Or what do we do on a Monday in Hong Kong? Yeah, it is a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, I've been struggling with a couple of injuries again this season. So I've needed to come to the physio to try and keep myself uh, in as good a shape as I can be. Uh, fortunately for me, we're finally starting to get on top of things. And my body's starting to feel a lot better. So hopefully from now on going forward, I should be able to start to compete at a little bit higher level. A little bit higher level, mate, because you go through your CV and we'll get to it, mate. Um, do you feel like you've still got more unfinished business? Like, what are some of the big still targets, the dream targets that you want to hit? Well, the Melbourne Cup's the one, really, and I thought I had the right horse this year, but unfortunately yeah. he just didn't run the trip, but uh, he's still run a great race, and uh, if, if I could pick one race to win, that would be it. Okay, what about let's go way, way back to Coffs Harbour, mate. And every time I go back to Coffs Harbour with the with the radio show, they always talk about this this kid that came to this coastal town and uh, was a bit of a, not a rap bag, but you, you had big raps on yourself and, and you had uh, plenty of success and uh, you had some great people around you that, that kept you on the straight and narrow and, and level-headed. What was it like, mate, uh, there in Coffs Harbour in the early days? It was certainly a, a great learning experience for me. I left school uh, when I was 15 or 15 and a half, I, quite early anyway. I didn't complete year 10. I did the first term of year 10. Uh, and I was going to track work in the mornings, riding work, uh, and then my boss would always drop me at school and I was always turning up 10 or 15 minutes late and I'd have to go into the, the office there at Jetty High School uh, and sign the late book and the reason why I was late. And I would always write, you know, that the stable's working, blah, blah, blah. And one day I turned up and the principal was there and she said, you know, this can't go on. You're either going to come to school on time or you're going to have to um, go and do what you're going to do, be a jockey. And I threw my backpack over my shoulder and I said, well, I'll see you later. And that was it. I never went back to school. So um, I then had to make it work. I went home and told Dad and he said, well, you better make it work. Um, And then it was just a matter of getting into the stables, working hard, uh, I lived with Trevor Hardy, and it was a 15-minute drive from his house to the stables, you know, every morning there and back and the afternoon as well. So he used that uh, hour's time every day just to drill me, and he did a very good job at it. I used to just look out the window and try and zone out, but uh, he hammered a few things home, and obviously the work ethic was a big thing, and um, that's one thing that I've always done. I've always turned up and worked hard. Uh, might be... Uh, might have been a little bit difficult to deal with along the way, but uh, I've always turned up. What What about 
just your first memory of the horse, mate. And before, I guess, you got into that situation where you threw the backpack over at school and said, well, see is I'm going to do this. What made you drive you towards racing? So for, for as long as I can remember, I always had an affinity with horses. Um, my parents sort of grew up on a farm, but we didn't really have uh, horses. Then we moved around a little bit. Um, and we moved to New Zealand when I was seven. And all I wanted to do was go to our friends' houses that had horses because I just wanted to ride them. I was very good at uh, sports, athletics, um, and I just loved being outdoors. So I, we then moved back to Coffs Harbour, uh, and there was a jockey seminar on uh, at Kempsey, which is an hour and a half away from Coffs Harbour, uh, and I went to it. And I was the smallest and lightest kid. They asked me if I wanted to be an apprentice, and obviously that was why I was there. So they placed me with Trevor Hardy at Coffs Harbour, and... I then had to learn how to ride properly. All I'd done was bounced around on these little Welsh Mountain pony, ponies and little Shetland ponies and never really been on a thoroughbred. So I had to learn how to ride and, and especially ride in, in the manner that the jockeys do. Um, and that took quite some time. When I first walked into the stable, was at 14 and a half. I was 27 kilos, so I was tiny uh, and obviously too small and too light to be able to control the strong and wild horses that, uh, that the race horses are. So it took me maybe 18 months until I got to a point where I could start riding in barrier trials and then start to pro- progress from there. But I always just loved um, the animal. I always wanted to ride horses, um, and, and that was sort of something I always wanted to do. So it's worked out well. Yeah, mate, bloody oath it has. Your stats and career, and we're chatting this morning with Zach Purton, that Brisbane champion jockey, 2003, you're still an apprentice so obviously you're getting schooled there by Trevor, um, from a young age he's instilling a lot into you and then, tell us about that, that champion jockey moment up there in, in 03 that must have been a huge thrill for you, but also too, you were still an apprentice at the time and we have this conversation regularly with say, Corey and and others who are mentoring these young guys and as, I think it's like any sports person or anyone in general in life, like if you're a young bloke and you have success, your feet can start to jump off the ground a bit and you think, how good's this? I'm flying. And you need to sort of be just, just kept grounded a little bit. Yeah, so those uh, early years, I spent a lot of time in the car travelling, obviously based in Coffs Harbour. I was riding everywhere from as south as Newcastle um, out to Tamworth and Armadale and Glen Innes. Um, all the way north to the Sunshine Coast and into, into Ipswich and Toowoomba um, and everywhere else in between, Grafton, Ballina, Lismore, um, Kempsey, all those areas. Um, and I was doing a lot of driving in the car. So it got to a point, I, in my first full season of riding, I rode 145 winners. So I hit the ground running straight away and had a lot of success. And with that... Um, comes a lot of opportunities and I was just basically riding every day. I think I, at one stage I rode 28 days in a row and wow. then racing New South Wales brought in a rule where you, um, as an apprentice you could only ride a certain amount of days in a row and then you had to have one or two days off or whatever it was um, because I was just, just at every meeting everywhere. Uh, and I loved doing that, but doing that I, I was spending so many late nights in the car just driving from one place to another and I would quite often get there and it would be late at night. So instead of looking for a motel or a hotel or someone's house to stay at, I'd just park the car on the side of the street and go to sleep um, in, in the back seat of the car and drive to the track the next morning and have a freshen up and get ready for the races. So um, it was tough, but uh, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, and I enjoyed doing it. Uh, I would ride up the Sunshine Coast on a Sunday 
and drive all the way back to Coffs Harbour on a Sunday night and get home at sort of one in the morning, get up to ride track work that morning and then I'd be off to the races somewhere else. So it was it was tough, but um, I enjoyed it. Uh, and then once I started riding in Brisbane, I had an agreement with my boss that I was able to basically live in Brisbane and, and stay in Brisbane to ride at their meetings there and then I would just drive back down to the Northern Rivers to ride for him um, at the meetings he wanted me to. So it become a little bit easier then. Uh, and then off the back of that, I, I then went on loan to John Wallace at the Gold Coast um, just to have another base. And at the time, I was doing a lot of riding for him. Um, but, yeah, to, to win that uh, premiership in 03, I missed quite a bit of that season as well because I had a fall and busted my ankle up. So I, um, I was chasing Michael Rod down and he had uh, quite a bit of start on me and I, I did a big job to, to catch him. I think I rode four winners on the last day uh, to win the title. So, um, you know, that was, uh, that was a, a nice moment as well because Michael and myself have had a lot of great battles um, back in those early days and it's great to see what he's done with himself as well. Yeah, 100% on the comeback after concussion and whatnot, and he would meet a better bloke. We're chatting with Zach Purton this morning on Monday's Expert. Zach, I want to ask you about jockeys and rivals. Obviously, you've ridden against some of the best. Uh, you regularly um, are at the, the peak, but who do you find, uh, or you know, who's that one person that you just believe is, is you know, the toughest competitor you've ever raced against? The bloke or, or the lady that just has not given you an inch? Yeah, it would have to be Joe Marrera. You know, the the last decade that we had here when we were going head-to-head um, and, and then obviously towards the end of it, we were both um, quite injured and battered and beaten up and to turn up in the state that we were and push our, push our bodies and our minds to the points that we did uh, and basically nearly broke both of us. And Joe ended up leaving Hong Kong in the end and now bases himself out of Brazil and rides all around the world. And I've, I've, still, got a, I've still got the uh, physical and mental scars from it. But, uh, he, he was such, such a great rider and such a strong competitor. And, you know, I, I learned so much from him riding against him. Um, he certainly made me, me a better rider. Uh, tell us about the move to Hong Kong because that's one that fascinates me with yourself because obviously you were riding here in Sydney and you had opportunities and you were very close on occasions to winning a Sydney Premiership but how did the Hong Kong move come about? Did someone suggest you go up there? Did the club contact you all those years ago? What was the story? So I actually had an offer. Uh, one sec, uh, what have I got to do next? Uh, yeah. And then uh, kids go to uh, room two. Laser. Okay. All right. Um, so you've got to, I, you've, you've got to uh, tell I, us what you've got to tell us what you've got to do, mate. This is outstanding. What have you got to do? Oh no, no, no! Yeah, so I just had um, the ultrasound and yeah. the shock wave, and then I had the magneto pulse, uh, and then the ice pack, and now I've got to go down and get uh, lasered. So, oh, you mate. Know, just changing changing rooms. Outstanding. This but, is um, it's like we're at <laughs> ER, it's like we're watching those ER shows, RPA, on, on a Thursday <laughs> night with Zach Purton. <laughs> Yeah, a bit like that. But, um, yeah, I uh, where was I at? Yeah, so uh, when I was in Brisbane um, and doing so well, I actually got an offer then to come to Hong Kong, but I didn't think I was ready at the time. Um, you know, although I was riding a lot of winners, I still enjoyed my lifestyle off the track. And from what I understood, Hong Kong was a very intense place and I just didn't think I was ready for that. So 
I sat in Queensland for a little bit longer uh, and then moved down to Sydney. I was only in Sydney for two years, uh, run second on the premiership. Both years I was down there. And then once again, um, had another call and an opportunity to come here. So uh, I thought, you know, why not? I was at a point where I'd seen every jockey that had gone to Hong Kong had returned to Australia a much better rider and a much more well-rounded person. And I thought if I want to go to the next level in Australia, I wanted to go to Hong Kong, get some more experience uh, and then go back to Australia and hopefully take that next step. Uh, But I come to Hong Kong uh, and although it was really difficult early, I couldn't get much support. I was not getting very good rides. And things were tough. So for some reason, uh, I liked the lifestyle here. I liked the racing. Um, my wife liked it here. Uh, she didn't want to leave. So we stayed, and luckily we did because it's worked out well. Yeah, it certainly is. We're chatting with Zach Purton this morning on Monday's Experts, talking about his life and career. Zach, I'm, I'm really fascinated by, because here in Australia, and we talk to jockeys about all this all the time, say, say James McDonald, he's got Mark Guest as his manager. So Guestie will go and... You know, talk to trainers. If, if James goes, hey, I was riding one in race three. I saw it come up on the outside. Can you find it where it's going? I'd like to get on it. It's different in Hong Kong. You don't have that person. You've got to do, a lot of, you've got to do it all yourself. So how do you go with that uh, and with dealing with owners and trainers and chasing those rides? Are you sort of constantly thinking about, even though you've obviously got your own horse to think about in a race, but if you think you're on a good thing and then suddenly all the, all of a sudden down the outside comes something, you think, what the bloody hell is that? I mean, are you then the next day, that night, on the phone trying to get rides, chasing owners? How, how does it work for you? Yeah, so that's something I really struggled with when I first come to Hong Kong. I felt like... Uh, I didn't want to impose on the trainers and I didn't want to make them feel uncomfortable and put them out. And I was used to having a manager that probably did that for me. And then it was after maybe about six months, um, Casper Founds and a few other trainers and Casper's wife uh, come to me and they said, Zach, you know, you're not ringing for rides. Well, why are you not ringing for rides? And I, I was just kept saying, well, if they wanted me to ride the horse, then, you know, they've got my number, but surely they'd ring me. And they said, no, every jockey in Hong Kong has to ring and ask for a ride because... If you've got the top five jockeys asking to ride a horse, why are they going to put you on it over them when you're not showing any interest? They need you to show interest so that they know that yeah, you're interested. I said, okay, fair enough. So that's how this place works. You have to ask for rides and, you know, I might ask for 10 horses and I might pick up one. Um, people think that I'd just ring up and get on whatever horse I want to get on and it's just not like that at all. Um, you know, they might be loyal to the jockey that has just ridden the horse. They might have a connection with the owner. The owner might, might like that jockey. So it is difficult, but everything you just touched on, yeah, you might see a horse uh, at track work that looks good. You might see a horse come past that looks like he's galloped well. You, it's pretty easy to see when a horse trials well or races well. Um, you know, they, they pick themselves really, but it's just about putting yourself out there and letting people know that you're interested in riding the horse and, this is where the, some jockeys end up falling out and then the jockeys' wives get involved as well and it becomes like Melrose Place where there's a bit of animosity and business, business going around. But at the end of the day, I tell all the jockeys the same thing. I say, I, I don't own the horse. I don't train the horse. I said, at the end of the day, if that owner or that trainer wants me to ride the horse, I'll be on it. If they want you to ride the horse, you'll be on it. I said, it's as simple as that. Yeah. If you want to ring for the horses that I'm riding, I said, that's fair enough. I said, I've got no problem with that. But I want you to know that I'll be ringing for the horses you're riding as well. Yeah, and that's just the way it is. It's a dog-eat-dog world. You've got to put food on the table. 
You know? Well, it is, it's, and it's a yeah. results-driven business as well. You know, it's, uh, unfortunately for us jockeys, it's not as if we're um, running in athlete, athletics or playing golf or, um, you know, driving uh, a race car. And that might be a, a bad analogy, the race car, because the car has, has so much to do with it as well. But for us jockeys, the horse but it really is so important. We can't ride winners if we're not on the right horses. So uh, everyone is fighting for, for, the best, uh, for the best ride out there. I think the other thing, too, that's different with Hong Kong, which fascinates me, is, yeah, you've got certainly big owners, but you don't have big, powerful breeding um, organisations. Whilst they might be involved here and there, you've got a lot of individualised owners, and a lot of owners in Hong Kong, like the the family that obviously have Beauty Generation, they've got a, a huge... Asian cosmetics empire worth billions of dollars and they obviously aptly named, you know, Beauty Generation. So you're dealing with some pretty serious people in regards to business over there. You are, and and they've got a lot of power um, over their trainers as well because it's very easy for them to transfer a horse from one stable to the other. They just basically ring up, uh, fill out a form and, you know, the, the new trainer goes down with the head collar, picks the horse up and takes it to the next stable. So... The trainers are always on notice and on edge a little bit, and if the owner says that he wants a certain jockey to ride the horse, well, you've just got to do it because if you overrule them and you put another jockey on and the horse gets beat, that's that's all the reason they need to transfer the horse. So it's uh, politically it's very difficult for the trainers and jockeys, um, and that's one of the things that a lot of people struggle with. Zach, what about um, obviously returning to Australia? There's always, you know, is there a possibility if you return to Australia one day that you will ride here or is it just too lucrative and too much money for you to to ride there twice a week and obviously earn a very good living? Yeah, so the lifestyle in Australia is probably a lot more demanding than what what it is here in Hong Kong. Uh, We only race two days a week, Wednesday and Sunday, uh, Barrow Trials. Tuesday, Friday, I'm at track work Monday to Saturday, but normally done by 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, sometimes 9. So you basically got all day to do whatever you want. I get to spend plenty of time with the kids, play golf, uh, go for lunch and dinner, do all those things. I get to have a life outside of racing as well as being able to be a jockey. And that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about being here. And when I was thinking about going back to Australia again recently, and it it sort of comes up from time to time, so you give it a little bit bit of thought and assess it and... Speaking of the jockeys back home in Australia and, you know, just the, the amount of travelling they do, uh, driving from, you know, where they live to the barrier trials and even the provincials and, you know, then you get carnival times where you've got to be on a plane and say you're based in Sydney, you're flying to Melbourne or Brisbane or Adelaide. and You know, it, it, it is quite demanding. The only thing that they get to do that we don't hear is being contracted to the jockey club. We're actually not allowed to miss any race meetings. Um, we have to be available at all the meetings here. Whereas in Australia, if you've been riding for three months and you want to have three weeks off, well, you can do that. So their bodies probably do get a little bit of a break or they probably do get that little bit of a freshen up. Whereas for 10 months of the season, you know, we're just hammering our head against the wall, grinding away and we don't have any breaks. So that can become a little bit tiresome and and, um, wear us down a little bit. And especially if you've got some injuries, um, you, you can't give your body the rest that it needs. You've got to keep yeah. fronting up every day and push through the pain and sometimes that creates a bigger problem than the, the original problem itself but um, yeah of course it's lucrative um, we only pay 16% tax at the top um, only race for 10 months of the season and like I said that's, um, I just think lifestyle wise it's, it's a bit better but uh, at the end of the day you know, it, what else can I do here I've done everything that you can do 
Um, does it become a little bit stale and a little bit boring? Am I looking to be simulated a little bit more? You know, they are all the, the questions that sort of do run through my head a little bit. Uh, but at the, the moment, I'm I'm here here in Hong Kong. I'm contracted to the end of the season, and um, yeah, we'll just uh, we'll see how things play out between now and then. What about your family? Your um, your young family. Do you want them to one day, you know, go to a school in Sydney? Yeah, sure. So they they were already enrolled um, in school in uh, Sydney from the beginning okay. of uh, this year. So we are uh, we had to. Not pull them out, but their their positions on standby. Um, but uh, yeah, so they're they're already in the schools there, and you know they, they don't know any different, right? They were born in Hong Kong. This is the, this is the yeah. only life that they know. Although we have been back to Australia, and they do do enjoy it back there. Um, our house is is finished and ready, so we've got somewhere to move into when the time is right. Uh, and I would like them to grow up with the the same type of. Um, Things that we have when we were younger, you know, it's there's a little bit more sport in Australia. You know, the you got the beaches, you got um, all those outdoor activities that they can do. Where they're a little bit restricted here, so at some stage um, that will overrule what we have here, and we will make the move home. All right. What about outside racing? And we're chatting with Zach Pertner this morning. Everyone's got a little hobby. Is your hobby golf? Is that uh, is that where you can switch off, or have you got another hobby we don't know about? Do you like you know cooking? What 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 does Zach Pertner do? Away from the track. I do like eating. Yeah, you got that one right. And when I do retire, I'll be doing a lot more cooking. But at the moment, I'm just not able to. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do like golf. I love my golf. Um, I just like being out, outside, outdoors. I always have been. Uh, I enjoy playing the game. I enjoy the competitive nature to it. But also um, just being around your mates, having a chat, getting away from racing a little bit um, for a few hours as well. You know, that, that's, uh, I find that enjoyable and um, I wish I was better than what I am. I've uh, started to get some lessons because I want to get a little bit better. With retirement approaching, I want to be able to be com- to the competitive to a certain level when I retire. So I'm trying to get better, but that's not as easy as uh, as everyone that plays golf knows. It's not as easy as it seems. No. Do you ever play with any other jocks? Who's the best golfer you've played against? Ah, jeez. Good question, to be honest. Um I haven't played with anyone that's a that's a real low single handicapper. I've played with a few that um, you know probably about ten, ten handicap around about there. Um, but yeah, the, the oh, I'd say Wai, Wai Shung Marwing, the South African jockey, when he was okay. here, he, he would have been he would have been about a four handicap. He and he Jeez. he was small, but he had really big shoulders and he could belt the ball. He did it three hundred yards easy. Fair income. Bloody hell. We're chatting with Zach Purton this way. Okay, best best horse you've ridden, mate, thus far. Yeah, Beauty Generation. Um, you know, he was one thing that was probably missing in my career, riding a champion like him, and he certainly was. He broke all the records at the time. He won the most Group 1 races. He was the first horse in Hong Kong to win over $100 million in prize money. He had that one season where he went unbeaten, eight starts for eight wins, the first horse to win eight races in a season. Um, yeah, so he, he was a special horse and I just loved the way he raced as well. Like he took no prisoners. He got out there, he run them into the ground, made them work. And, and, uh, yeah, he was, he wasn't the easiest horse to ride in the mornings. He got rid of the work rider a couple of times, but on race day, he was all business. 
Uh, no doubt you've you've had a lot of ups and downs in your career, and especially with as you said injury. Like it's hard to to you know build yourself back up, build that momentum. But you've done it time and time again with multiple championship wins. When it comes to to Hong Kong, what have you won it? You've won it. Um, 13, 14, 17, 18, 18, 19, 19, 20, 21, 22, 22, 23. And you've got a bit... Well, I know Huey, unfortunately, isn't right at the moment, but that that invigorates you too. When you've got sort of a new person on the block, you know, that's up there, you, you can put that fire back in the belly because you are a competitive. You're a competitor. Yeah, I am. I do like the competition. Um, I like to be able to fight when I feel like I can fight. Though. Not when I've got one hand tied behind my back, but... I've had uh, a bit of a, a slow start of the season, to be honest. It's been very frustrating so far for a number of reasons. Um, it just hasn't been going my way, but I feel physically like I'm just starting to, to to get back on top of things and feel better. I feel like I've got a little bit more energy. I can start to increase the training a little bit, so I'll get a little, little bit fitter. Um, and I, I just need to manage my... My booking's a little bit better. I've been taking rides too far out, and then um, yeah, the horses I could have been on have been winning, and I've been down the track, and it's just it's been a a heap of things that have been going wrong. But I feel like we're just about to start to get on top of it, and hopefully, I can start to get back on a bit of a roll. And it's funny you say that. Like, it's funny you say like it's you think it's half a balls up. Because, mate, you're 34. Like, you're 34. What are you, 12 ahead um, in the current season? So you're leading the season. But isn't that – I find that incredible that you're still sort of half thinking, oh, I should be, I should be further in front. Yeah, I should be. I, it's, I could sit here for five minutes and tell you about all the things that could have gone wrong. And at the end of the day, it, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes things ebb and flow a little bit, but I'm not comfortable with the way things have been going. I need to be going better. Um, and it's as simple as that. And, you know, I, I have to lift my game and, and I, I think I can. So it's, uh, I'm just waiting for it to click. Mate, but I'm fascinated by that. What, 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 what can you change? As I said, because you're leading the current premiership by 12. Um, you've leading the stakes one. You've had 207 rides. So you've had more rides than anyone I can see on this list in front of me. Um, you know, if, if no one knew anything about Hong Kong racing and just pulled open the Jockey Club website, they'd say, oh, well, Zach Purton flying. What what do you need to change to go to another level? Well, a lot of jockeys would be very happy with the position I'm in at the moment, but that's yeah. not good enough for me. I'm, I'm just not happy with it. But um, And I, I suppose coming off such a good season last season where I broke the record and rode the 179 winners in the season, all that sort of stuff, but... This season, it's just been one disaster after another, and it started before the start of the season when uh, we had a typhoon come and we were locked inside for three days. So I went and hammered myself on the treadmill and and uh, pulled up with a few injuries because of that. And I just haven't been able to get them right. We had a lot of small fields at the start of the season. I just wasn't on horses that were fit and ready, um, and that was costing me. And then we had a lot of rain, so the wet tracks in Hong Kong, we don't get many wet tracks. Um, so when it does rain, it's very hard to follow the form or, or anything just wins. It doesn't matter what the form are of the horses. Um, all the outsiders just win. It's, it's, uh, it's just how it happens. Um, and then after that, we've had a lot of bias tracks. We've had sort of six or eight weeks of really, really biased tracks where 
you know, as you know, if you're just not right in the right position in the races yeah. or on horses that can take advantage of the biases, you just can't win. And then on top of that, I've had a lot of uh, races where I've taken rides in advance because um, part of managing yourself as a jockey here is, you know, you, you get offered a few rides and the, through the trainer and the owner and it might be three or four weeks out and they don't like it when I say, oh, can you wait another week or can you wait 10 days until, you know, it's closer to the time to let you know. They want to know yes or no now because if I can ride it, that's great. If I can't ride it, they need to get someone else. So I basically have to make the decision, do I think it's going to be a good ride? Do I think it can win? Or do I think I can get something better? And if I knock it back and say, oh, no, I I can't ride it, and then I end up not getting a ride in the race or can't get a decent ride, uh, and then it goes on and wins, it kills me. Or if I do take it and then a better ride comes along after, uh, it wins and I'm down the track. and, And that's just what's been happening. It's just been a comedy of errors um, that has been going on for, you know, two two months now that I just haven't been able to get right. So I'm um, going to stop taking so many rides so far out and try and adjust things a little bit more. And I've got a few more younger horses starting to come through now. You know, it's it's just, I've just got to manage things better. But the big thing is being being fitter, healthier, uh, feeling better, being able to do more exercise, you know, once, once I can do a little bit more exercise. Naturally, I'm going to feel a little bit better. And, you know, it's like when, when you feel better, horses run better. And at the end of the day, that's, uh, that's going to help me. I tell you what, mate, if we ever go to war, can I be in the trenches beside you? That is unbelievable. I'm sure, <laughs> mate, there's people, there's people texting in on the text line saying, if ever we go to Gallipoli again, Zach Purton, he's in the trenches with us because that is just an <laughs> unbelievable mental state you know like as you said there'd be some people out there that'd be like how good oh things haven't gone my way but i'm still what 12 14 in front but you're going no 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 no. we're we we need to improve mate what about um so you get allocated for your international jockey rides very soon in fact i think it's 10 30 hong kong time so is that literally for our listeners who because we're going to be over there i'm going to be over there with laurie for the big sports breakfast, Laurie's never been to uh, to Hong Kong, mate, um, and he loves backing you. I know. I, th- I know you're a, a league man, so I'll have to get you and Laurie together, mate, to have a, have a um, a gas bag. But uh, how does it work? So do do they just draw out a horse and then draw out your name to ride one of those horses on Wednesday night at Happy Valley? Uh, they do, yeah, and I love Loz, a great man. Loz is locks. Uh, I like he's quite funny oh, too. Mate. The way he's he's going it. like a busted <laughs> fair dinkum. Oh, 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 mate, what's your season now? Oh, mate, mine's then, atrocious then too. Fine. <laughs> I could stop COVID, but, uh, honestly. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great man. Looking forward to seeing him. But, yeah, so what they do is um, it used to just be done, like, really randomly. And then I started complaining uh, and got it changed because one year there was a, a jockey from America come over. And at that time, we only had three legs of the IJC. And he ended up on two horses at 50 to 1 and one horse at 100 to 1. And I said, this is not fair. I said, the guy's travelled... 17 hours from the other side of the world to compete in this contest, and you give him three rides that are just no hope. I said, how's that a good experience for him? I said, you got to, there's got to be a better way to do it. And in Japan, they, in their system, they have four races, and they have what they call an A horse, a B horse, a C horse, and a D horse. So Hong Kong have now implemented the same system. So we went to four uh, legs of the series as well, and then the handicappers need to look at the fields, and then they decide which horses they would class as an A ride, B ride, which is self-explanatory, right? And then yep. every horse, uh, every jockey will then be given an A ride, a B ride, a C ride and a D ride to try and make it more even. 
And since they've done that, uh, the competition's been a lot closer. Um, and there have been, obviously, a lot more jockeys that have had a chance to win it. But at the end of the day, Happy Valley is a really tight track. Uh, it will come down to barriers as well. Um, and then, obviously, the speed or the tempo of the races um, play a big part of it as well. But uh, it's a more f- even and fair system now than what it was five years ago. Okay, so that'll happen today, and then you'll hopefully find what you're riding. And then what about Sunday, mate? Um, some of your big rides on Sunday at Chartin. What have you got uh, that, you know, obviously we're going to be, all, our eyes are going to be on Romantic Warrior with what he achieved down here in Australia. But for the other races, have you got some, some good rides for our listeners? Uh, so in the international races, I'm going to ride Lucky Swainess in the sprint. Um, he's obviously the world's highest rated sprinter at the moment. He's been struggling a little bit so far this season. He's had a couple of little niggles as well and hasn't quite been at his best, but um, I think he's peaking at the right time uh, and he's going to be my best chance um, in the international races. I then have Beauty Eternal in the mile. So he won the lead up um, to the mile two weeks ago, but Golden 60 wasn't there and we didn't have all the Japanese horses there. The race was run to suit him, but he's uh, a horse on the way up uh, and certainly will run a decent race, uh, very capable of, of winning it if things go right, but uh, it's a much stronger field than what he faced last time. In the Cup, I'm going to ride Sword Point, who was a bit disappointing last time. Uh, he got beat. I don't think he's up to the international horses, and I'll ride La City Blanche in the Vars. He's in the same boat as Sword Point. Uh, he's just completely outclassed, but they are horse races, anything can happen, um, but it would be a surprise if, if they were in the finish. And then outside of those, um, what have I got? Uh, oh, I mean, you're going to have to speak to me during the week. I forget. Yeah. Too far out. No, that's right. <laughs> we're, 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 we're live, we're live uh, in Hong Kong on Thursday and Friday. So we're doing the 2 a.m. till 6 a.m. stint over there because we've got to get back here, be back in Sydney live for 5.30 till 9. So... We might just have to pull an all-nighter on the Wednesday night after the international um, night, but we'll try and get something to our audience and our listeners. I tell you what, Loz will have the tingles. It'll be half barred up, mate, that you know about the Loz's lock. Fair income. Like, that is outstanding. <laughs> He'll, I'll wait till I get off. I'll say, mate, you know Purton knows about the Loz's lock. He'll go, what? Fair income. How good's that? It's, it's very easy to pull an all-nighter after Happy Valley as well because the walk from there into Wan Chai is not that far. And once yes. you get into Wan Chai, anything can happen. 100%. Well, you know, you know what happened. We had a big production meeting and Loz says, boys, I want a 60-second delay. I want a 60-second delay just in case he <laughs> has to pre- press the red button. Before I, let, <laughs> before I let you go, mate, I always ask everyone that I have on this, if you were standing in front of a, an 18-year-old Zach Purton right now, what, what advice would you give him about life? Just to keep turning up, you know, life's hard. It's not always easy, but you just got to keep turning up um, and that'll be it, right? So people have a lot of dark days and things don't always go right, but at the end of the day, it'll work itself out. You just don't give up. I love it, mate. You're a bloody legend. Look forward to catching up with you over in Hong Kong, mate, and uh, look forward to doing your thing on Wednesday night and Sunday for our audience, and we'll catch you very, very soon. Thank you.